Last month, education ministers, teachers and education experts from around the country met in a bid to address the so-called national teacher shortage. You might remember we covered the story back then. Well, on Thursday, the Federal Education Minister, Jason Clare, announced that Professor Mark Scott, the former Sydney University, he is now the Sydney University Vice-Chancellor, former ABC head, he will lead a review into how teaching is taught at universities. The panel will look at how to improve teacher education, how to boost graduation rates and ensure that teachers are better prepared before they enter the classroom. To talk us through how this might be achieved and the significance of the panel that has been assembled, I'm pleased to welcome Professor John Hattie from the University of Melbourne's Graduate School of Education. Good morning. Good morning, Geraldine. Um, before we get into the to the review panel, could you lay out for me exactly what the problem is perceived to be in Australia right now with our teaching pool and graduates? We're hearing about a severe teacher crisis, yet the statistics people tell me that's actually not so. Well, you're, you're right. It's a, an interesting scenario at the moment yeah, with COVID. Uh, one of the main effects from that is that many of the uh, relief teachers uh, and 10% of all teachers in Australia are in that sort of sh short-term uh, contract relief teachers. They, they were kind of sucked out of the system by being offered other positions such as coaches, etc. And that opened up um, a major problem. And also with the, um, the way in which uh, we've been working in this area, creating uh, agreements with various states and unions has created another large number of teachers that we need for the current system. And all that's come together. Mm. Uh, in our current scenario of we do have shortages in some areas. It is hard to get staff. Um, we need to realise that 28% of teachers that are registered in Australia are not working in schools at the moment. So there is a whole lot of other things that teachers are doing besides that regular facing up to classrooms. And it's all come together at this moment. So, yes, there is a shortage. It's um, specific. It's quite serious in some cases. And, uh, of course, we often look to the pipeline of teacher education to say, how do we make sure that we at least get that part of it right so that we don't exacerbate the problem and make it worse over the next few years? 25% of registered teachers are not in classrooms, you just said, did you? Yes. And so they've opted out for, for a range of reasons, I take it. Oh, absolutely. They, uh, some of them don't want five days a week, every day of the week. Some of them um, want to keep their registration while they do related jobs like in departments, ministries and professional learning. So it's not a bad thing, um, but th th that is a problem. The other problem that um, the review picked up last year, which is, is pretty serious, is over uh, you know, 90,000 students in teacher education across Australia. Over half of them don't complete. Of those who complete, only half of them get jobs. Now, if we increased the number who get jobs, if we decreased the number who pull out, we've got some answers to the way forward. And so I think there are a lot of things going on at the moment that um, the Scott Committee uh, could look at, but we have to remember they've got a very specific terms of reference. Yes, yeah, so I want to come back to some of those things. So what are their specific terms of reference? Um, it's it's a, to develop a quality measure, isn't it, for initial <laughs> yes. teacher education? Well, that's a really important one, Geraldine, because in 2014 there was what's called the TMAG review, and it was one of the first reviews in teacher education that switched the debate and said, let's not be as obsessed about the entry 
to teacher education. Let's not be as obsessed about how you teach in teacher education. Let's become much more interested in what happens at the end. And the report was called Classroom Ready. And one of the uh, consequences of that report is that they, this new procedure called the, the Teaching Performance Assessment was invented and implemented. And every institution, all 44 who are in teacher education across the 300 different programs, now in their final year, the students have to do this uh, teaching performance assessment. But, but here's, here's the best part of it. Those teaching performance assessments are now moderated across universities. And so the universities are involved in setting the standards and watching them being implemented, as I've done quite closely over the last few years, it's, it's led to dramatic improvement in the quality. But as TMAG pointed out, and the unfortunately named Quit Review last year pointed out, there is massive variability. We have some excellent teacher education programs, but we have some, some that need to be improving. But the previous debate, as I'm sure all your listeners know, is that it's easy to beat up on teacher education. Pick some examples. Um, of bad, lots of good universities that are doing the program and highlight them. And that's kind of tempered the whole thing. Whereas what um, the Scott Commission, I hope, is going to look at is what are those indicators of really good quality teacher education? And, you know, I'm, I'm plucking a number out of the year, kind of, but mm. I, I would argue from the data I've seen that 60 to 70% of our teacher education programs could classify as being very good to excellent. And trying to use success to drive the system and to make it attractive for people to come into teacher education programs. So they'll be looking at some indicators. It may be, for instance, I hope it is, looking at the teaching performance assessment. I hope it does look at the reasons why we fail close to half the students who enter the program, looking at the nature of um, those programs. So trying to convince the public and in fact, convince current teachers out there that going into teaching is a worthwhile profession. So it's a very important thing they're going to do. So in a way, you're saying that it's um, that at the moment, the reporting of a lot of this has been almost a, de a deficit model of what's lacking. Correct. But you're saying that there's a far more attractive and valid, by the way, by the sound of it, method of yes. measuring it. Yeah, okay. Yes, that's it. Which would change the whole, which would contribute to changing the prestige, perceived prestige of teaching. And that's it. And that's why at the moment when we talk about a supply, um, a workload problem, I think we've got an attraction and retention problem. And that's what we have to work on is how do we attract um, the people that we want to come into teacher education and how do we make the career of teaching attractive? Now, this is not part of the Scott Commission, but at the moment across Australia, if you want to stay in the classroom for the rest of your career, after about seven to 10 years, you reach, you reach your maximum income. And people are looking at that and saying, wait a moment, I'm going to enter a profession that after seven to 10 years, I'm starting to go backwards compared to going to other professions. And many, most states and territories are looking at that issue and trying to come up with solutions to that. So it, it's a really good moment uh, to bring together lots of different policies. Mm. There's nothing like a crisis to bring out some good opportunities. Yes, at, at a conference I moderated recently about teaching, um, there were people who who actually claimed that you took 10 years, <laughs> it's funny you give that number, 10 years to become a really mature, confident teacher. Um, I mean, you, you get there earlier than yes. that, but that real sense of feeling that yes. you've got it under your belt. So that's a pretty, that's terrible if they start to feel they're going backwards. It is. And we have, Australia is blessed with so many excellent teachers and we've got to find a way to make that attraction 
so that they do stay in that because the more they are attracted to stay in the profession, the more we're going to attract people to come into the profession. Look, one of the key planks of the inquiry is to boost the practical experience in teaching students. How can this be achieved? Well, I think that's a, a two-edged sword. We've got to be careful here. Um, like on the one hand, when you first start into teacher education, you, you, you enter it with the eyes of having been a student. And so one of the hardest things for teacher educators is to switch that so you start to see classrooms through the eyes of a teacher and then, and this is your 10-year point, then start to go backwards in a sense and start to see it through the eyes of the kids again. And so there's a massive shift in how we think. And part of that then is how do you make sure that that teaching practice you do, and you know, 60 to 80 days in, in many programs, um, that, that it really does pay off and makes the difference. And so it's very important part of the program, but it's that link between what you do in the classroom and then how you're asked to interpret it, how you're asked to make decisions about it, um, is, is really the, 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 how you need to get the two parts together. So it's an easy thing to say, let's have more practice in schools, but more apprenticeship in schools. And that can work in some cases, but in some cases it's not necessarily the best answer. So the balance is right. I think the current number of days is pretty reasonable. One of the things that um, Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland are, are doing and other states are looking at is what's called the procurement model, um, where, for instance, take Victoria um, in your last year of a two-year program and maybe in the last year of a four-year program, you're actually in a school and are paid to be a teacher in a school, whilst at the same time, your teacher education people and your schools are working with you to make sure that that's a very, very good experience. Now, that's a really good proposal, not for all students. Uh, not for all, all classes and not necessarily for, for all principals want to appoint those kind of people. But it's starting to have a lot of traction and that's a lot of time in school. So I think we've actually got many opportunities now. So part of me doesn't quite understand. Well, I do understand. Everybody always says the more time in the classroom, the better. But that's not always true. Hmm. Um, well, and so it's getting that balance right. Um these universities that have the high dropout rates in their undergraduate teaching careers, you've indicated that there's a variability. How should the group go about addressing this issue? Well, I'm not actually sure it's part of their terms of reference. It certainly was part of the terms of reference of the quit review of uh, two years ago. Um, but I think this is something that we, we do need to, to address. Um, part of it could be the, the entry uh, arrangements of those institutions. Like you said, it took 10 years to become a teacher. It's it's not easy. There are lots of things that are going on. It does require a level of intelligence, ability. It does require a level of commitment. It does require loving kids and, and loving the impact you have on kids. And so you've got to think of all those reasons. Uh, there's some very good researchers in Australia, um, Helen Watts, Paul Richardson, that have spent a lot of time looking at the motivations for going into teaching. And maybe we need to spend more time on that and get it right. Now, once again, some institutions uh, are doing a stunning job in that respect, um, taking two or three hours of assessments before the students, uh, even, even in the application stage, doing behavioural insights uh, interviewing and trying to get it right. Um, and I think that's really what we need to look at. Those places that are not doing that, I think they're paying the price of taking too many in that are just not ready and um, able to be become teachers. At this conference, again, I attended, there was a call for employers to convey their concerns to about some of the graduates they were receiving from certain institutions, but they don't do that. <laughs> there was a sense that the employers sort of staged storm, even though they rang their hands, if you know what I mean. Well, this is where the Scott Committee, I, I'm sure, will look very closely at that as part of their performance indicators, and that is the role of the employers. And, um, you know, it does vary. 
uh, again, across the different institutions, but that's a really important part of the equation. Um, the Scott Committee is also going to be looking at making it easier, I understand, for mid-career people to transition for te- to teaching. Could this be a, a bit of a silver bullet to address teacher shortage? Well, I don't think it's a silver bullet. Um, it is hard. At the moment, if you're out there um, in the workforce uh, earning a good salary, you have to have two years of foregone earnings to become a teacher at minimum. Now, with the procurement model and some other models out there, we can reduce that. And we do have to find ways of acknowledging that incredible experience that they bring across. And maybe they don't need the whole program. Um, We also got to remember, Geraldine, that the average age of becoming a teacher for the first time is approaching 30. So there are majority of people in teacher education now are in their first, second or third careers. And so that's already happening. But it is the ones that have got more experience we're looking at. But then I look to England and say, um, how's it going over there? Because they've been working on this problem for a few years. They struggle to get 100, 150 of these people a year. So I don't think it's a silver bullet, but I do think it's a really important thing that with uh, that expertise out there, we do do need to make it more attractive for them to come across into the teaching profession. And I'm sure we'd welcome them very much. Well, well, you've made it sound far more attractive for us to watch. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Professor John Hattie, Honorary Melbourne Graduate School uh, of Education uh, from the uh, from that school. And look, I might add, just to let listeners know, that the Productivity Commission is bringing out um, uh, a national school reform agreement. Um, and actually, they want people to contribute right through till October the 21st. They're looking for people to contribute. Um, and you might like, if you've got any strong views, given that there are some coming through on the text line, I'm sure that they would welcome if you go to their website. You can um, get some information about that.